0: Today, finishing up our series called "God Never Said That." We've been talking about this over the last few weeks—phrases, uh, clichés, ideas, uh, things that we have heard and maybe even said that God didn't actually say. Um, and uh, it's been challenging, and it's been fun. We've also been doing something each week where we've been inviting you to text in questions that you have. And so, there's a phone number that you can text there. And uh, if you have any questions as I'm preaching or talking or teaching, if it's a, a question about a Bible verse or an idea or something about this topic, um, you can text those questions in. Those are going to go to an app on my phone. They don't go directly on the screen. Never, not everybody's going to know who sent it in, what your name is, all that kind of stuff. So if you have questions, I'm happy to help uh, talk through them a little bit. I do not have great answers. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I I don't have all the perfect answers. I don't have all the right answers, but it's important for us to recognize that it's okay to ask difficult questions, and it's also okay to not always have the answer. And so what I want is to help Cultivate a church and a community that's able to say, hey, we can be honest. We can ask questions. And, and sometimes we, we get answers that we can understand and that make sense. And sometimes we don't always have an easy answer, and that's okay. So feel free at any point to be on your phone and text in some, uh, some questions, and we'll talk through those at the end of service. Um, I have two kids, as I've shared before, and one of the great things about the holidays is that there's not as much school, and there's significantly more sugar and not as much sleep. Uh, and so it is a, a great mixture for chaos and fun and, and craziness. And uh, and this last week, hopefully you guys have had a great Thanksgiving, and ours has been full of all kinds of fun and shenanigans and things like that. Um, but inevitably, there's these moments where tensions rise and fights start to happen, and, and usually it's... A hear shouting, and I go to investigate, and it's, you know, uh, you know, my, you know, one son is like, you hey, know, Arlo hit me. And I say, Arlo, did you hit him? He's like, yeah, but he took my toy. And then he's like, did you take his toy? He's like, yeah, but he smells, or whatever, you know, it's like really logical steps. Um, and it, it's kind of just a funny thing, because eventually, after it just continues to go back and forth, you know, and it's like, yeah, well, he was born or you know whatever it is this idea of yeah but it can just kind of go on forever we can always find things like well yeah i did that but they did this so i can't be in trouble i did this but they did that so you can't get mad at me it's it's this weird back and forth thing and it's not just something that kids do i do this us uh, as adults we do this we do this in our relationships we do this with coworkers and friends You're going to hear a lot of screaming today, FYI. Those are good screams, and let me tell you why. Our kids' department is incredible, and once a month, the last Sunday of every month, they said, do you guys remember going to, like, bowling alleys as a kid, and they have, like, you can win tickets, and then you can go to the counter, and you can trade your tickets in for cheap things? Uh, um, As kids, you thought that was, like, the greatest thing in the world. That's what they do the last month of every, uh, or last Sunday of every month, and so there's, like, a last-ditch effort to win points and tickets. (laughs) And it's all noise-based. So you will hear screaming, but just know that they're having fun, and, uh, and I'm okay with it. So uh, anyways, but um, we all have this thing. It's not just the kids that, that do this yeah, but thing. We do it also. Uh, I, I, I think of this all the time. I remember even just uh, uh, not long ago, it was probably a couple years ago, I guess, but uh, I don't know if I have to knock on wood or what we believe here, but uh, I hadn't gotten a ticket in a long time, and I got pulled over and i was so frustrated because there was somebody else that was flying past me and they pulled me over and it's like this full on like what the heck why me like did you see them like yes i did something wrong but they were more wronger like you should go for the, there's this there's this sense of yeah but yes i did but they also did and so it zeros out like none of us you know it, it's kind of like we're all graded on the same curve right and I think one of the cliches that I want to talk through today, one of the things I want us to kind of wrestle with, and uh, it's, this is the last one of the series, and, and so we're talking about this idea of all sins are basically equal. Everything is basically just as bad as the other thing. And so if you guys are here on a regular basis, you'll probably know that we don't really do a lot of sermons where we just talk about sin. And if you guys are here as a guest for the first time, you're like, "Oh cool, another church is just going to talk about sin." Uh, and, and so it's not everybody's favorite topic, but I really I do want to give us some clarity on what it is when we say as, as Christians, as Jesus followers, as a church, when we say sin, what are we talking about? And I actually think that there's a lot of hope available in this message, and so hopefully you guys will stick with me. Um, but uh, there's this reality, this, this phrase, this idea that all sins are basically equal, this idea that I might be doing something wrong, but it's only as wrong as whatever it is that you're doing is wrong. I can't be doing something more wrong, and don't point out my flaws because I can point out yours. And so it all zeroes each other out. Um, This idea that all sins are basically equal is the kind of spiritual yeah, but. If you're going to call me out on something, I'm going to make sure I point out that thing that you're doing wrong also. This is close to this idea of judgment, which we talked about, but it's a little bit different. I remember I, I grew up in the South. Uh, I grew up in North Carolina until I was in high school, and we would say something, even children would say this, which is hilarious, but you know, we would say this phrase, uh, mind your own biscuits, and it'll all be gravy. Uh, I don't know if anybody else grew up in the South. That's okay. Laugh it out. I can take it. I am thick-skinned. I'm not at all. No, I'm just kidding. But there was a sense of like, yeah, don't even bother looking over here. Just focus on your own stuff. Look at your own stuff, and we all have our issues, so let's not point them out. And so it's an an important thing for us to talk about. So how do we even begin to define what's right and what's wrong? How do we choose what is sin and what isn't sin? Uh, a number of months ago, probably about six months ago, we had the chance to go to Big Bear. And while we were up there, we did all kinds of outdoorsy things, which is fun because sometimes we can be a bit of an indoorsy family. Uh, so we threw axes and we shot BB guns and, and one of the things that my wife had the most fun doing was uh, shooting a bow and arrow. And there was this cardboard target up on the hill and, uh, we had our kids kind of run back and forth in front of it and, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Uh, My wife and I, everything kind of turns into a competition. So we're like, all right, let's see who can hit the bullseye first. And so we're just going back and forth. And luckily, there was like 100 arrows because we couldn't hit anything. And it got to the point where it's like, okay, let's not worry about who can hit the bullseye. Let's just see who can hit the target first. Uh, First one to hit the target wins because now it's dinner time and we've been out here all day. Um, But it's interesting because this word sin is something we read in the Bible. You've probably heard televangelists and pastors and preachers talk about it and accuse you of it. But this word sin, it comes from a Greek word, uh, which is hamartia. Uh, it's translated into the English word as sin, and it really, it means missing the mark. And this Greek word, this, it's this, the same idea is used in archery. It's this idea of you missed the mark, you missed the target. So when we talk about sin, it really is talking about this idea of there is a target that we are aiming for and somehow we've missed it. You've missed it. I've missed it. Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot. It actually doesn't say. It just says you missed it. There's, there's a gap in what you were aiming for and what you ended up. So sin is this attitude or an action that's out of alignment with the way that God made the world to work. And it kind of stems from this belief, this understanding that we have that God is this intentional, loving creator, created the universe. He designed the universe with a degree of intentionality, And when we align ourselves with God's intention, there is goodness and there is flourishing and there is life and there is hope. And when we choose to do things that are opposed to God's intention, it creates uh, tension and pain and death and difficulty and darkness. And so we have to decide, how do we we know what those intentions are? Well, ancient Israel uh, believed that God gave them his law through scripture. It was this code. There was 10 of them. They were super important. They were like, man, we've, we've got to figure out how do we keep these things around forever, these 10 laws, the 10 commandments. And, and, and there was these laws that said, if we can follow these laws, if we, can, if we can do these things, then we'll be in good standing with God. These are the laws that God had handed down. And there was this understanding that if we can check these boxes, then we'll be in a, in a good space. And, and there was this idea, the language that was used is if you live this way, if you live my way, God's way, then, uh, then you will find hope and blessing. And if you live the other way or any other way, then there will be curses. Now, we don't use those words a whole lot in our lives. I think maybe we're familiar with blessings and we talk about blessings, but most people, even church people, don't really talk about curses a whole lot. That's something that's like, that's just for like witchcraft. Like curse, we don't believe in curses. But really, there's this idea, and I think that if you were to use different language, it's this idea, it's this concept that if you live a certain way, you'll experience goodness and hope and life and and the good things that you want to experience that we would all consider blessing. But if you live opposed to God and the way God calls us to, naturally, you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience tensions and difficulty because you're trying to go Uh, the opposite way of how God created our hearts and our minds and our relationships to exist. Why, why does this matter? Why should we even care? There's this reality that we believe that there is no life available no true life avail- available outside of Jesus, that we can experience life or wholeness outside of the life of Christ. And Romans chapter six says, for the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, I don't know that this necessarily means, and, and actually I'm, I'm pretty confident that this doesn't mean that the moment that you sin, you die, But I think that there is this reality, there's a spiritual and a practical reality that when we choose to do things that are opposed to God's way and God's will in our world, that it creates death and it starts to erode away, not only at our own hearts, but also in our relationships. A lot of us have been in relationships that have we've made poor choices, or other people in the relationship have made poor choices, or maybe they were mutual. And the relationship, we started to see it fracture, and then there was like this chasm, and eventually the relationship ends, and it, all, it dies, and there's almost a grieving process that we have for those failed relationships in our lives. The reality is, is that we experience death in various ways. A relationship can die Sometimes poor choices causes our health to deteriorate. Sometimes you just find yourself because of the choices you made, the, the way you're deciding to live, missing the mark and saying it's okay, it's okay, it's not going to be that big of a deal. You just find yourself as a as an empty shell, kind of a just a not accurate version of who you want to be or who you were intended to be. None of us want to experience these things, and so we try to figure out what is it that we have to avoid? What are the sins? What are the most important sins to avoid to not experience that pain? Um, and the challenge for us is that in James chapter two, he writes and he says, the person who keeps all of the laws except one is just as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Uh, for the person that keeps all of them except for one is just as guilty as the person who keeps all of them. And I think that this is where the idea comes from, where we say all sins are the same. So if, if you break one, it's like breaking all of them. If you break all of them, you know, so let's just, might, let's get those scores up, you guys. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is a challenging kind of idea because I think at the surface, and if you just read it quickly, it's like, well, if you do one thing, then you might as, it's all the same. But that's not actually a correct understanding of what this is saying. What this is articulating is that there is a distance, there is a break in the relationship, even if it's just one decision, even if it's just one mistake, if it's just one sin, one time missing the mark. We've all done something that has brought about some sort of relational or spiritual death into our lives. And Romans 3 backs us up. It says, all have sinned. All of us have sinned. We've all missed the mark and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter whether you're in a seat or on a stage, whether you are dressed in your Sunday best or whether you are just uh, relaxing at home in PJs like Janina talked about, every single one of us has, has missed the mark somehow. We have, we have made a mistake. We have sinned. The humanity in us begins to reason quickly. Well, yeah, I've made mistakes, but not like their mistakes. I haven't killed anybody. You know, yeah, I've lied. I've done, you know, I've treated people poorly. I've, you know, whatever, fudged some numbers here and there, but I've, I've never done that. Well, there's this kind of human peace where we start to wrestle with this, but sin is just missing the mark. It doesn't matter whether you're 20 feet off in the distance, or whether you're just right of the target. Sin is missing the mark. It doesn't talk about this as a, as a sense of the, you know, whether it was a big sin or a little sin. It's, it's just missing the mark. It's any attitude or action, big or small, in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about, you know, you've heard it said, don't murder people, which is good, but you also shouldn't hate people. Hating someone in your heart is the same as murder. He, he talks about you shouldn't commit adultery, which we would agree. That's, that's a good thing. And he says, you know, uh, lusting in your heart is the same as, as committing adultery. And he's starting to kind of equate these things as, hey, I, I want you guys to understand it. If you, if, if you miss it, you miss it. If you've missed the mark, you, you've missed the mark. He's not saying our sinful actions aren't as bad as we thought. He's saying that our sinful attitudes are just as bad. I think in my humanity, when I hear Jesus say something like that, I think, well, if, you know, hate is the same as murder, then I might as well just murder. (laughs) Because I for sure hate that person. But Jesus is saying the, the exact opposite. He's saying hate is the same as murder, so you should for sure stop hating. It's serious. It's a problem. It, it's not the way that I want you to live. It's not the way that I've called you to live. It doesn't bring life in your relationships. It doesn't, it doesn't connect you. And, and we get it when it comes to do with hating someone. It's like that seems maybe obvious. But then you start to think about it and these other ways that missing the mark shows up and the other ways that we, we choose to do things differently or we, we accidentally or we have habits or addictions that cause us to do these things and they just slowly start to erode away at the relationship that we have with God, the relationship we have with others. Why would Jesus draw this comparison? Because can any of us really not hate? Can any of us really not lust? I mean, is this realistic? Is it just that Jesus wants us to feel shame? Is that the thing? And I think that one of the things that has maybe been a disservice by pastors like me or churches or maybe people that you've grown up around is we've talked about shame a lot and we've always paired it. There's two words that we use together all the time, shame and guilt. We talk about these two words together all the time. And I think that that's done a a disservice because I think that we start to believe that they basically mean the same thing. Shame and guilt are are really closely related to the same idea. And this might sound a little bit odd, but stick with me here. Jesus does not want you to feel ashamed. I think that God does, he's okay with us feeling guilt. I think it's important for us to to take a breath and to kind of consider that. God is not at all interested in us feeling shame, but he's okay with us feeling guilt Shame says that I am bad and there's nothing that can be done about it. Guilt says I did something bad and I need to make amends for it. There's a massive difference. There is a chasm between those two things. But oftentimes we talk about, oh, I feel shame and guilt. And and I think we got to start separating those words from each other. I think we need to recognize this difference. This isn't about who you are. This is about something that you have done. This is about who I am at my core, whether I have value or goodness or I'm lovable or, or, or whatever it might be. It's about a decision that I've made. I have done something and I need to make amends for it. We should feel guilty when we are guilty. That's something that we want. As a parent, practically, there are times when I want my kids to feel guilty there's aspects of this. I remember it was last year. I think it might have been like right at the beginning of like lockdown. And we, um, our family plays games a whole lot. I don't know if you guys are game people. So we're always struggling to find games that a five-year-old and a nine-year-old at the time, and then adults will all enjoy playing together. Not easy to do. Uh, and so we found this one beautiful family game called Exploding Kittens. Uh, I don't know if you guys have played this game before. Uh, it's delightful. Uh, but we're all learning it. It's this little card game, and it's, there's no actual kittens that explode, uh, in case you haven't heard of the game. It's a fun little card game. But uh, we're playing this game, and um, as we're going along and we're playing, our son, our younger son, uh, he lost. And he was furious. And so he took his cards, and he went, and he went to stomp up the stairs in our apartment, which is adorable because they're very carpeted, and he's a little guy. And so he stomps, and you can barely hear it. It's like... It's like, anyways. But uh, I probably was chuckling uh, at the time because of his quiet stomping. And so he takes the cards and he rips them in half of this brand new game and he threw them like confetti. And they came sprinkling down <laughs> upon us, the rage of the cards. And there was a sense where we were all like, oh my gosh, because it's very out of character for him in general, but it was really kind of funny and shocking and surprising. And then I was very upset because this was literally the first time we played this brand new game. And, and I went up and I spoke with him and I talked with him and um, I, I wanted him to feel guilt, not because like, that's where I want him to stay. Because I, I wanted him to recognize that he had done something that was wrong. And really, I knew that he probably did feel guilt. I think at the, in his heart, I think that I understood, I, I believe that he did feel guilt. I didn't want him to feel guilty just so that he would feel guilty. There's a purpose for it. I wanted him to acknowledge, I know that I've done something wrong. I need to make it right. I need to acknowledge. That. I need to ask for forgiveness so that this relationship can be restored. Not that I wouldn't like feed him or that I would treat him differently forever if he didn't apologize, but there is like some sort of break in that relationship in that moment. And the reality is, is if he didn't feel that guilt and own his part, then there's a good chance that he might actually feel shame when he comes back downstairs if he refuses to talk about the mistake. There may be this sense of, I wonder if they're all still thinking about how I stormed off and tore up the cards. I've felt that way before. There's been things, mistakes that I've made in different levels, and I've, you know, I felt guilty, but I didn't handle it the right way, and then it kind of turned into shame a little bit. Maybe you have had an experience, maybe a simple one would be like you were supposed to call somebody back, and you didn't, and you felt bad, and then you saw them at the grocery store and say you ran to a different aisle. (laughs) The power of shame compels us. Guilt and shame are very different things and it's important for us to acknowledge that. It's important for us to know that. This isn't about who we are or our worth. This is about something that we have done. Guilt is only unhealthy when we wallow in it. It's an indicator that we need to make a change. It's like a warning light on a dashboard. Something is off and I need to address this. So we need to make amends relationally, but there's also a spiritual component of making amends. Romans chapter 10, Paul is writing and he's quoting some uh, Old Testament scriptures. He says this, anyone who believes in him, talking about Jesus, will never be put to shame. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's interesting because this first part of this verse, this is verse 11 and 13, it says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Again, it's important for us to hold on to this. This is not a shame piece. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's this invitation for us to reach out, to cry out, to ask for God's forgiveness, for God's strength, for God's healing, his mercy. There's this invitation that that comes with a promise that any of us that cry out to God, that there is this promise that we will be saved, that we won't be left alone, left in the dark, left to wallow in some sort of shame. But there is a God that, that hears us and responds with mercy. And his love is strength to not only be healed, but to be changed and to live a different way. Jesus ultimately goes and allows himself to be crucified. Uh, this is the gospel story. We can't save ourselves. So, so God came uh, in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, and lives this life, and he allows himself to be crucified, and scriptures tell us so that he can make a mockery of sin and death through his death on the cross and his resurrection. There is this promise of healing and relationship that comes, and the invitation is for us to cry out to God and to ask for it. And then one other churchy word I want to look at, another word that you may have grown up hearing a lot, this word repent. So there's an aspect of asking for forgiveness, and then scripture talks about the importance of repenting. It's a Greek word that means, the word, Greek word is metanoia, and it means to think differently afterwards. I spent probably 25 years of my life thinking that repenting meant saying I'm sorry. Um, but it's not just saying you're Sorry. Repenting is deciding I'm going to think differently now. I'm going, to, I'm going to change the direction. I'm going to approach things differently. I'm going to not do this or I'm going to attempt to not live this way or act this way. It's, a, it's, a change. it's an intentional decision to change and to live differently. God's inviting us to not only ask forgiveness for our wrongs, but to choose to live a different way after we recognize that we have made some wrongs. So we've all sinned, we've damaged all of our relationships, and we've invited death into our souls. Let's pray. Um, now, there's this reality for us that despite how big or small this attitude or this action can be, this the sin, this missing the mark, it necessitates, it, it invites us to go to God for mercy and to be made whole and right with him. Scripture, over and over again, we see this show up. Although all of our sins disconnect us from God equally, the consequence affects us differently. And this is what I want us to hold on to today. When, when we think this thought of all sins are basically equal. So any sin disconnects us from God, any of them. But the consequences of them are different. The impact, the way that it plays out in our lives are different. Being unwilling to uh, forgive someone has a different consequence than hitting someone with a car. There's this natural reality, this understanding that we get that, that the consequences show up in different ways. Now, there's a brokenness, there's a missing of the mark that all of us have when we sin, but the consequence of different actions impact us differently. I was thinking about this and, and this kind of idea came to mind, this concentric circle. So I think uh, you know, when, when we have these, these struggles, there's, there's four <laughs> categories essentially. Um, there's damage to me, there's damage to, to kind of me and my relationship with Jesus. There's damage to the people around me. There's damage to the world kind of at large, people in circles outside of my close family. And then there's damage to Jesus, to the reputation of who we are as Christians. Uh, and I think that oftentimes the trick that sin, the, the, the lie that we begin to believe is that this thing that I'm doing, it doesn't affect anybody else. It's actually just me. It's just my own thing. Nobody else even knows. Uh, and I think we start to buy into this lie. And in some ways, there may be these thoughts that we have in our minds that really nobody does actually know. But these thoughts, they do affect us, and they affect the way that we relate to Jesus. And then over time, they actually begin to affect the way that we relate to others. Uh, it starts to impact people around us, and then there's other decisions that we make in our lives other ways that we miss the mark that impact the people around us. And then there's this other circle, world at large, kind of other people, other uh, places in different cities or whatever it is. And then ultimately, I think that there is this impact. I was thinking about this a little bit. um, I was trying to figure out uh, really how to explain this differently. Um, And uh, this is a a difficult story, a sad story, really. There's um, there's a a friend of mine that I had for, uh, still have actually, um, but uh, he was on staff uh, at a church, and he was a pastor at a church, and he made some poor choices, and he uh, um, ended up making some poor choices outside of his marriage. And um, there was this, obviously, this individual thing, because he, he kept it a secret for a long time, um, and then it started to obviously bubble over, and it impacted his family, um, and it impacted the other person's family as well. Uh, there's this immediate impact that starts to happen. But um, just because it impacted their friends and family, it didn't actually stop there because of his position that he held. It actually impacted a lot of people, people that he didn't even know, people he didn't know their names, uh, didn't know their faces. It impacted coworkers of his. There's this impact that starts to continue to ripple out. And I think that there's always this temptation that we have to believe that this thing that I'm doing, like, yeah, it's probably not good. It's not, I should do something different, but nobody else knows and it's, it's. I can control it and it's just right here. It's just me. But there's this ripple effect that begins to happen over time. All sin disconnects us from God, but the consequences affect us differently. Depending on what it is, That we're doing. There's different consequences, and it shows up differently in our relationships. It's important for us to recognize that. It's important for us to to understand that. It's something that I oftentimes have to figure out how to navigate as I'm talking with people. A lot of times, it it seems like it's parents um, that have older kids, um, and they're not asking me because I have older kids. I don't even know how to parent my young kids. Uh, But they're asking me just on the spiritual side, you know, my kids are. You know, they give me a list of three or four different things that their kids are doing, adult children, and they're like, "I know that these aren't right things," and and so I just keep telling them, like, "You need to stop doing this, 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 and this." And it's like, "Well, yeah," but do you think that they can hear you past these four things? Like, is there maybe one thing that you would want to start? Is there one thing that's like really damaging? Maybe start there. Maybe it's damaging to them personally. Maybe it's really damaging to their relationship or their health but maybe just start with this one thing. And it's not because all four don't matter. It's because I can barely fix one thing in my life with the help of God. It's this recognition that the consequences of these things affect us differently. And the reality is, is that it's not that sin damages God. It's not that God is offended by it. God has paid the price for our sin already. And when, when we miss the mark, whether it's small or big, God's not up in heaven saying, what are you doing? You know you're not supposed to do that. I'm getting furious and upset. I believe, I believe that God is watching us saying, what? Why? why would you do that? You know the pain that that will cause you. Why would you hurt yourself that way? Why would you hurt your spouse or your kids or your friends that way? I think God's heart breaks for us. I don't think he's angrily screaming at us. It's not that God just wants us to to stop sinning and just to avoid the sin, but he, he longs for us to choose life and health, to choose wholeness and goodness. It's not just settling for not doing anything bad. It's actually choosing to pursue good things. In Titus chapter three, is a little bit of a longer passage and I'll wrap it up here. Um, Titus chapter three, he's writing, he says, remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate and always to be gentle towards everyone. So this is a reminder. This is, how, this is how you should choose to live. This is how you should choose to show up in your day-to-day. And he says, at one time, we too were foolish and disobedient. We, deceived, uh, we were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good, not devote themselves to avoiding what is bad. It's not just what's the list of things that I need to avoid. It is how do I pursue the good things that God intends for me to pursue, the the things that God has created us for, for us to pursue. Careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. There is this peace for us as we begin to process and kind of think through, what does this mean for me practically? It's important for us to recognize um, that it's not that all sins are basically equal. Whenever we miss the mark, it it does create distance between us and God. Um, But there's different effects, consequences in our relationships and in our lives. There's different impacts that it has. One of the great promises is that even though there can be distance in our relationship with God, scripture over and over again tells us that nothing can ever come between God's love and us, that there's no height or depth, there's no power that can ever separate us from the love of God. And I think that there's an opportunity for us as we begin to kind of think about this. And I, again, I recognize that some of you may be here visiting uh, and it's you know an intense week to come on. And then others of you may be regular parts of our church and our community here. There's an opportunity for us to, to recognize that maybe we have explained or qualified some things away. Like, yeah, I do that, but so do other people. Yeah, I do that, but they do worse things. Yeah, I do that, but at least I don't do this. For us to recognize, it's not about the measuring of the impact. It's actually about the recognition that when I miss the mark, when I miss miss the mark, there's an opportunity for me to come back, to be restored, to find hope. And I think there's an opportunity for us to repent, to confess, regardless of whether it's a big thing or a small thing in our minds, 1 John says, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just and will forgive us. And there's an invitation for us to not repent so we feel the sense of shame, but for us to, to repent, for us to feel guilt and acknowledge, yeah, I did it wrong so that we can be reconnected in our relationship with God and with others, so that we can find new depth in our relationship with God and with others. I know for some of us, Myself included, uh, I've always struggled with shame in a lot of different areas. It's been a huge struggle of mine. There's things that um, I've dealt with. There's things that I've been through. And uh, it's really difficult for me to let those things go a lot of times. And maybe you've had a similar situation. Maybe there's some things that you've been carrying for years and years. Maybe it's just the frustration or the discouragement that you just can't overcome a certain struggle or a certain uh, issue or a certain thing in your life, and, and there's just a sense of, of shame that comes with that. Um, carry the weight for decisions we've made. There's a, uh, an ancient teaching that um, I heard a few years ago, and I've just never forgotten it, and I've never really talked about it with anybody else, so we'll see how this goes. Um, it's an ancient teaching. Rabbis would talk about this um, years and years and years ago. And the idea is that they believed and they would teach in probably much more eloquent ways that when each of us are born, that we are connected by a string to God, that we are all connected to God. And then as, as life goes on, they recognize that we are broken. And every time we sin, we miss the mark, that there is this cutting of that string uh, over and over again. Some of you guys, there's a lot more cuts than others. Just kidding. But this belief and what they would teach is that those who are contrite or humble, repentant would come and they would acknowledge their mistake and that God's angels would come and would retie this line. They would tie a knot and you would be reconnected back with God. Obviously, over time, over our lives, a string gets more and more cuts and more and more knots. And so they would teach this idea. They would say, a string with many knots is shorter than the one without knots. And the person with many sins but a humble heart is closer to God. There's this hope for us that, yeah, you've blown it. I know that because I've blown it we've we've got a whole list and we're not going to write it all down and talk about it here <laughs> like this it's important for us to acknowledge that we have blown it and and as we acknowledge that and we respond to the guilt which is a good thing and we say god i recognize that i have sinned i've missed the mark against you against others there's this reconnection that happens and the way that jesus put it in his teaching is he says, whoever's been forgiven greatly loves greatly. And there's this invitation for us to say, man, I am a mess and I have made all kinds of mistakes. And it's not about comparing them or saying that it's not as bad or it's more bad. It just is. And as we acknowledge that, there is an invitation and a promise that our heavenly father is faithful and just to forgive us. And that in time, instead of just trying to avoid doing the bad things, we actually replace that with pursuing the goodness that it talked about in that passage in Titus, the way that it benefits the world around us. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.